Living Local, telling the stories that connect us. A United Way of Greater Milwaukee and Waukesha County podcast. One of the best pieces of advice I was ever given was, when I had a conflict with someone, to take a step back and try to consider the situation from their perspective. To consider what else may be going on in their day or in their life. Basically, to try to understand the situation and the world through their eyes. To strengthen the relationship and move forward in a positive way. This is exactly what Ex Fabula, a Milwaukee-based organization that strengthens community bonds through the art of storytelling, is trying to achieve. Through monthly story slams, storytelling workshops, and numerous community partnerships, Ex Fabula encourages community members to find and tell their story. The goal is to increase understanding among community members who may not feel that they have anything in common, to both highlight similarities and help explain difference. Today I talk with Ex Fabula co-founder Megan McGee. Megan shares some of the stories she's heard through Ex Fabula that she can't get off her mind, and what the heck Ex Fabula even means. To listen to more compelling interviews and stories with members of our community, Visit unitedwaygmwc.org slash podcast and browse the Living Local Archive. What does Ex Fabula mean? It means from stories. It's actually Latin. Uh, we wanted something that we could brand, that we could make our own, and something where you could actually buy the URL, <laughs> because that's not always possible these days. Yeah, I'm sure. And so how did you come up with that? Did you just look up stories? Stories. I don't know. Was this something from college or no? There was there was a long brainstorming process where uh, there was this group of five founders and we sat around making hundreds of ideas. And you sit there and you go Milwaukee stories, like stories by the lake, like community. You just go through a million possibilities. But after a while. I don't know who came up with Ex Fabula or when. I think we'd started looking up the word for story in lots of different languages. Sure. And um, I like that it's short. I like that Fabula kind of has fabulous in there. Yeah. I've been known to call the, the volunteers the Fabulites. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's short, it's crisp, and we thought, yeah, we can, we can make this phrase that doesn't really mean anything to people. We can make it, hopefully, into a word that to people signifies community and stories and listening and Milwaukee and local. Yeah, and it's just cool. I like it. And you could buy and you could buy the URL, which is yes. very important. <laughs> very practical. Um, so you empower people through Ex Fabula to share true personal stories. Um, I'm going to kind of flip it back on you. Sure. Let's hear uh, Ex Fabula's origin story. Sure. So uh, the year was 2009, and I kept having the same conversation over and over. It would usually be that I would be talking about something I heard on a podcast, usually This American Life. Oh, did you hear Ira Glass interviewed this person and their story? Um, there would also be um, situations where various people had gone to other cities and gone to storytelling events there. So the conversation was generally, wow, stories are awesome. Milwaukee should have a storytelling group. Someone should start that. And it was over and over. Someone should start that. Someone should start that. Someone should start that until I think finally – Somebody must have pointed out, you guys can't seem to stop talking about this. Maybe you should start it. Milwaukee is a place where people can start things. And I thought, really? Is it? <laughs> Could we? <laughs> but um, we decided that we should have a conversation. So it, not everybody knew each other. Um, 
Matt knew Adam, I knew Amy, Matt and I knew each other, and then I met Leah. So we said, well, let's have lunch and figure this and out. And those are the five yep, founders. those are the five founders. Okay. So we went to Maharaja, thought we'd have a little Indian buffet, and by the end of like the 90-minute lunch, we had decided that we were going to put on an event in six weeks and just see what happened. Whoa, that's fast. Yes. Well, and Leah knew someone at Art Bar and had kind of chatted with them a little bit. So we started brainstorming a name and figuring out what and how. But we put on that first event. Was it themed? Uh, yeah, beginnings, because we're clever. <laughs> sure. And, uh, you know, we had a bunch of storytellers that were selected in advance for that show, and we had a couple spots that were open to anyone that wanted, because we weren't sure who would even be there. Right. Um, so it ended up being... A lot of friends of friends. My dad told a story. Amy interviewed her dad. <laughs> so, you know, you use your, your immediate network. But the event was lovely. We had like 50 people there. And we said, great, let's find a slightly bigger venue. So we had a next, the next month, I think, was it 75 or 100 people show up. And then we went to another venue and definitely had over 100. And it kind of grew and grew. And at some point during that first season, the folks from Turner Hall were like, hey, do you want to have a finale? We're like, sure, we should do that. So we oh were Turner gosh. Hall that May. In one season? Yes. What do you think contributed to that rapid escalation? Feel free to brag. But what, <laughs> um, you know, your efforts, but then also maybe was it on people's mind? Was, you know, did you find that you really were filling a gap that people really wanted to go out and hear stories? Well, I think it's easy in this world, with the pace we live in, you know, with the sound bites and so forth, it's really easy to move through life very quickly and never have space to sit and reflect and really listen. But there's something that happens when we, when we really listen to each other. You know, we feel connected. We feel like we are not the only ones who maybe have certain struggles. So I think people kind of immediately identified with, oh, yeah, this is entertainment, but it's also something more. So there's a healing power. There's also something educational. But in the end of the day, you know, it's an event in a bar. It's an event where people are coming together to be social. And um, there's something very appealing about that. Um, of course, not everybody has the luxury to go out on a weeknight and have those experiences. But I think on some level, you know, social media is great, but it's not going to replace real connections face-to-face -face with friends there. So can you explain a little bit about the um, the format of your event? So it's mm -hmm. not just a traditional people get up on stage and tell a story. There really are, you know, there really is a concerted effort to build those connections. So do you want to? Yeah, it's more than just an open mic night. Um, so we have monthly slams. That's what we started with. And that's maybe the thing we're best known for, although we also have a lot of community collaborations. At those events, there's always a theme just to help inspire stories, and anyone can throw their name in the hat to tell a story on stage. However, one of the things we're often doing behind the scenes is trying to encourage both new first-time tellers to get up there. Uh, we do a couple drawings every night that are just with the names of first-timers. Wow. So that we can get, you know, we there's some people that will always have a story. There's some people that love it and want to get on stage all the time. And we try to find lots of opportunities for them to tell. But there's something magical about somebody who wasn't quite sure if they could get up there. I mean, even recently we had an event 
um, the April only in Milwaukee slam, and we had a handful of, of first timers. There were a few people that I knew were there and I had maybe chatted with them previously and maybe knew a story that I thought fit the theme. And so I'd say, Hey, I'm going to give you a real gentle nudge. I just want to say, I know that your story, I mean, I found it important. I found it entertaining and meaningful, and I just want you to think about sharing it. So if we can encourage new voices on the stage, um, it's going to help us hear from more Milwaukeeans and from maybe people that otherwise in life, how often do you get to really connect and hear from a stranger? I think on the other hand, the other thing we like to do is through a lot of our community collaborations, we're always exploring underrepresented voices. So we've had the Equal Access Project that's looking at disability. Through that project, one of the amazing things is I have learned so much <laughs> um, about a reality that is a little bit different than mine. I've also learned that there's no such thing as like a universal experience for individuals with disabilities. Everyone is unique. But by hearing hearing stories about something that's, you know, I, I'm able-bodied, uh, but I've learned, I've learned a ton. And in some cases, I've been surprised and I've realized, oh, I'm making assumptions about people. So if we can use our projects to try to bring in voices that we might not hear otherwise, um, it's a super powerful thing. I noticed that you make a real effort to assist people or kind of meet people where they are mm -hmm. to tell their stories. You do slams um, that are bilingual, or yep. I believe you've done events that are exclusively in Spanish. Yeah, uh, only only really one. And, yeah. uh, but I, w I would like to do more of that. I guess sure. we do sincerely believe that everyone in Milwaukee has stories that are worth listening to. So for some people, the way that they're going to want to tell maybe just at a workshop to start, or it may be in a story circle or something that's less structured where you're not getting up in front of a lot of people. In fact, we even have different formats we've created to, to welcome more people to the stage. Some of those are just two-person formats where you can get up there with a friend and tell a story, or you can be interviewed by somebody. But there's also, um, you know, we've, we've, <laughs> we've invented a format for a, a nonverbal person. He uh, wrote. What did, you, what did you do there? Yeah, he uh, he he wrote the story out, working with um, a caseworker, and then we 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 talked and we decided. I said, "Okay, Steve, we need to pick your voice. <laughs> you know, here's here's someone. Do you think like just, the actual voice yeah. that would tell his story? Well, I needed to pick. I I had to find a volunteer who could read his story, and so I said. You know, should we pick a man? Should I maybe get someone your age? Do you have any other requests? So I found a volunteer, and I had the two of them work together to kind of practice the story and find out what cadence would work. So Steve was on stage telling his story the way Steve does, with gestures and some noises and acting it out a little bit. And then over on the side, Joel was at the microphone reading Steve's words. Wow. So we could put together something really unique it would reflect Steve's world. And I just think if people, you know, anyone that misses Steve's story is missing out. I was going to kind of save this question for the end, but I, I kind of want to dive in. So Ex Fabula, it's a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. um, your mission is pretty ambitious, uh, pretty ambitious, strengthening community bonds through the art of storytelling. So explain the value of storytelling to a community and, and, 
you know, I've seen through doing this podcast, through my kind of love of storytelling other podcasts and, and your events, that it really can be impactful and powerful and potentially as powerful as that more kind of, you know, direct service work. So, but kind of explain your journey to understanding that. Sure. I mean, a lot of storytelling comes down to advocacy, but not advocacy on behalf of someone else. A lot of times storytelling is us being advocates for the things we care about. So I think it's important in nonprofits to think about power. Whose voice are we hearing? Who gets to speak for who? When we make decisions, you know, are we getting input from just a few stakeholders or are we really hearing from the community? So a lot of our events are about every individual having a voice, speaking for themselves, and presenting their unique perspective for everyone else to listen to and honor and, and learn from, frankly. It's really easy for human beings to make generalizations because our brain is designed to do that. We're designed to look for patterns. So in a world that wants to simplify things, stories allow us to find the complexity. You know, one of the areas we've been working in recently has to do a lot with um, healthcare and looking at like cultural humility. It can become so easy for a healthcare provider to make assumptions about someone else or to not realize uh, the ways in which people have been raised differently. So let's say you have a doctor with you know, advanced education. If you're working with someone who comes from another country, maybe they're a refugee, maybe they've suffered some trauma, it's important to recognize their reality and honor it and honor the wisdom of the patient. Stories can help us reconnect to those situations. It can help us to realize we, we all want to achieve our mission by listening to stories from people that are different from us. It makes us more able to do so. And the phrase strengthening community bonds is the goal to f- find the similarities, the things that connect us, or is it to understand and appreciate the difference. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> I think that's the power of stories, that stories allow for even things that seem like contradiction. Because the reality is there can be someone that is so different from me and that their experience, their life journey has been completely the opposite of mine, whatever that means. But in the end of the day, you know, maybe there are things that we can have in common. I mean, maybe we both have stories about falling in love. Maybe we both have stories about moments of frustration. And I think all of those things can be true. It's good to notice how we are the same. It's also important to notice how our paths have been different. Um, Because if we're going to work together, you have to honor both of those things. Stories don't make you choose. How do you help people, newcomers to the stage, how do you help them find their story? Like I think about doing, and I'm like, what would I tell? Nobody (laughs) wants to hear from me. How do you help people find their story and cultivate that voice so that it becomes stage ready? Sure. One of the ways is just by asking people to tell. And at a lot of our events, we have multiple formats. Like we have the ultra short, which is a written format. Anyone can write a story on a slip of paper maybe just a few lines. You can put your name or not, and then we'll have an MC read it on stage. So maybe you're not quite ready to get on stage, but you will still have your voice be heard. And that can start a journey. Maybe three years later, the person that said, I would never get on stage, is finding themselves telling a story. 
Another way that we help people find their voice is through workshops. Um, Workshops are great because you don't have to get up in front of a group, but you can do small exercises in pairs, in groups, under the guidance of an experienced artist. And we do exercises to address pretty much every element of storytelling. You need to figure out what your story is. You need to take a topic and brainstorm what are the stories that I could tell about a theme like only in Milwaukee or courage or unfinished business. We'll do some exercises to help you get there. And um, then you think, well, I'm not really sure how to start the story or how to end it. I don't know how to structure. I always notice a strong beginning to stories that really stands out. Yeah, we have exercises to focus on all these things. And the great thing is, it's not just us telling you here are best practices. It's people working in small groups and helping each other. So I think a lot of what we're doing is creating little supportive communities for people to discover together that their voices matter. And you're not just throwing people up on stage. There are many, many steps to to eventually getting there. You know, our monthly events provide the opportunity. There are people that have never told before that feel compelled and get up there and tell a story. You know, great. That's they all they needed was that opportunity. For other people, they may need a lot more. We like to provide a lot of options because in the end, each person has to decide what's right for them, what stories do they want to tell. Uh, it's very individualized that way. And so, Megan, I want I want to ask your advice. Um, this, you know, we've been doing this podcast for gosh, seven or eight months, but it still feels really new. Mm-hmm. Each interview is different, and a lot of the topics that I'm interviewing people about are really tough. They're just Mm -hmm. tough topics. Infant mortality, experience with sexual assault. Do you have some advice for how I can make those stories, how I can empower my interviewees to tell their stories and be truthful and honest to themselves, but in a way that's, that's listenable and accessible to somebody who may not have experience with that issue or who may not want to think about or talk about issues like that? Sure. Well, whenever we're talking about challenging stories, sometimes before I ask someone to share, I need to be vulnerable first. Um, We practice that in a lot of the workshops. The coaches end up sharing lots of little stories. And I think we need to let people know that it's okay to be vulnerable and share your emotions. I mean, I, in, in the course of Exfabula, I've told stories about mistakes I've made, about, um, you know, I grew up, and I grew up in a very, a very white town, and like, like as a white woman, I have to acknowledge there are moments where I've noticed my own bias, I've noticed my own internalized racism, um, classism, and so forth. I've also told stories about, you know, being bullied, even, you know, having a miscarriage a couple years ago. Sometimes I need to be able to share those pieces before I invite someone else to share with me. I guess the other thing is there are people that are super ready to tell because they are advocates. If we can make the invitation to those individuals, it's going to be easier for them because they're compelled to share because they care about the cause. Um, You know, even at the Only in Milwaukee Slam we just had, there was a woman who was telling me a little bit about her experience with uh, housing and an unfair housing situation she'd encountered. 
and I, it didn't take too much arm twisting to get her to share her story. She was worried because she had never practiced it before. But she was amazing. I knew it would be powerful. And <laughs> because in yeah. her mind, she had been practicing it. You know, yeah. as she thinks about it, it's... Yeah. No, it was important to her. So I guess knowing that when you have people that understand why the stakes are high, uh, it's, it's a little bit more easy and a little bit more natural. Sure. I guess the other thing, too, is know that like everything else, it's a process. And we're always learning. How do you feel about the whole podcast? How do you feel it's going? You know, I think it's I think it's going well. What I really would like to do um, is we have access at United Way to an endless amount of experts on these mm-hmm. topics, people who work day in and day out to solve these huge community issues, um, to, not to solve, but to work on them. Yeah. And so I, I know that a lot of our interviews have been with those expert voices, yeah. people who certainly may have experienced, you know, some of these issues themselves or had friends or family who've gone through them. But I'd love to hear more from community members who maybe don't work at a nonprofit or who don't sit on a committee, who've never maybe been asked sure. to talk about it. Absolutely. Um, but I just get nervous because I don't want to screw it up and I don't want to come across as disrespectful. And I know it's a lot to ask. And I notice even the, the person who's so comfortable, you know, you put a mic in front of them and it, it changes. It yep. changes things. Well, I think it, that's just an ongoing process. I mean, for one, you can always ask an expert, where did your passion come from? Yeah. Was there was there some, some the best moment moments. where you make mm-hmm. it personal? Absolutely. And as for community members, I think that's where I'm used to just asking people over and over, like, would you be interested in sharing? And if people say no or they say only under certain terms, then I accept that. Because, yeah. yeah, there's a power dynamic in storytelling, and I think being mindful of that is very important. But hopefully over time, you know, as people attend X Fabula events, hopefully we can build a time, or hopefully over time we can build maybe a culture of not just telling but also listening, and maybe more people will feel comfortable and ready to share. As a community, if we were listening to everyone in our community and valuing all their voices, I really think it could be transformative. Tell us about a story that really moved you or one that you still think about. Oh, sure. Oh, last year we presented our Bilingual Story Slam, and uh, there were so many wonderful stories that night. But one that I think I will always remember is Rosa Velos. Um, She told a story about coming to the United States, and she was telling in Spanish. And it kind of flipped the script for me because her story started out... um, no vine aquí, me trajeron. Like, I didn't come here, they brought me. She was a teenager. Her parents were moving here, and she told, explained kind of why. And what she expected and what she found were two different things. And so I really connected with that on the level of just, I think we've all had times in our lives where we fell out of place, where we fell out of control. And to think of all of that, when you are also coming from another country into another culture. Her story was haunting, but it was also it was also clear how strong she had become in order to overcome the challenges she faced. 
yeah, her story really touched me. And I know it touched a lot of other people as well because it was one of the ones we were talking about quite a lot. Wow. It was just really an honor to have her be able to share that. And what a perfect example of what you were talking about with a story that not certainly not everyone can relate to yeah. kind of contextually, but that feeling. Like yeah. as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, yeah. I've had several times in my life where I felt yes. that way. And, and just think, uh, because of language barriers, many people don't have the opportunity to hear voices like Rosas. So by providing interpretation, we were able to make that happen. Think of how many other stories are out there. <laughs> yes. There's all these little barriers that we're constantly trying to identify and then say, how can we hear these voices? Yeah, when it works, though, it was, um, yeah, it was a memorable, powerful night. So, Megan, how can a listener get involved in Ex Fabula? Well, people can, people can come to an event. Um, if you go to exfabula.org, you know, that lists the upcoming events. And, and, you know, we have our monthly story slams. We also have lots of community collaborations. You know, we've worked with the public library. We work with all sorts of community groups. So, you know. I know what I saw one of the groups you work with is NAMI in yeah, Waukesha. Yeah. Do you work with their Stories of Hope program? Um, or? Most recently, we worked with a few tellers to help them prepare stories they were going to share at a fundraiser. It's actually a really great way to talk about the mission you don't need to do a slideshow. You need to have people tell exactly. why it matters. Um, I guess so go to the website uh, and, you know, come to an event. Just check it out. We will not pull you on stage, I promise. <laughs> we will offer you opportunities, and hopefully at some point we'll, we'll hear your story, but at a pace that's okay for you. And I know there's an opportunity to become a member of Ex Fabula. There's mm-hmm. lots of different ways to get involved if you're already a fan and so many events going on. So. Yeah, and in fact, if there's some other events that we're not doing or collaborations that people think we should, let us know. All of our projects have happened because people in the community have suggested them. So we like to source our stories and our programming that way. You're good listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we're certainly trying. We're always improving. <laughs> well, Megan McGee, thank you so much. Thanks for your advice. Oh, yeah. Um, and thank you for the great work you do with Ex Fabulous. Oh, well, thanks for listening to me. It's always nice to be heard. <laughs> that was Megan McGee, co-founder of Ex Fabula, a Milwaukee-based organization that strengthens community bonds through the art of storytelling. While Ex Fabula doesn't have a story slam coming up, you can catch stories from previous slams on Ex Fabula Radio, which airs on 89.7 WUWM each Saturday and Sunday during the 3 p.m. hour. Living Local is produced by myself, Katie Kuhn, Melissa Hannon, John Waldbauer, and Brian McCaig. A special thank you to Ethan and Maeve McCaig for providing the music and voice talent for our introduction.